It's Good Friday and it's 9 o'clock in the morning, the very hour when Jesus Christ was crucified. On this Good Friday, I want to ask a question which I think is pertinent in, in light of this turbulent season we're all experiencing. And the question is this, is God interested in and involved in the world? Does he care for the world and for us? Now, for many people, God, of course, is a hoax. For others, God is an idea, uh, a mathematical puzzle that keeps the universe together somehow. Uh, the physicist Leon Letterman built this extraordinary machine under the ground in Switzerland, uh, it's famously known as the Higgs boson. Uh, its purpose is to discover the God particle, right? to recreate that first spark that began the universe at the very beginning of time. But we do wonder, don't we? I mean, has there ever been a person who hasn't at least asked the question, what is God like? Well, the Bible tells us, for example, that there are signs around us that point to something of the reality of God. If you gaze into the enormity of space or if you study the microscopic, we, we see God's creative power. Now, of course, the universe doesn't contain God, but it spells out that there must be a God who has made this amazing world. So Psalm 19 in the Bible says, for example, the heavens declare the glory of God, the skies proclaim the work of his hands. But more than anything else, it is the Easter event that shows us God and what God is like. Now for a few minutes, I just want to turn our attention to a single verse in the Bible. It's a well-known verse, John 3.16. And from this verse, I want to point out three things that we learn about God. This is the verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Now from this single sentence, we, we discover three things about God. One, God is personal. Two, God is present. And three, God is powerful. First up, God is personal. It begins with, for God so loved. So straight away we see God is not an impersonal force or idea. He is personal. For he loves. God has affection for the world. He has love that is directed toward an object, the world. You know, the, the wind doesn't love, the gravity doesn't have personality, but God so loved. He is personal. And second, God is present. So God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son. And then in verse 17, we read, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. So God didn't come into existence because we made him. He didn't begin as a spark in someone's imagination. No, we owe our existence to his imagination and purpose. He is the creator. He is the one who has made all things. And as John 3.16 tells us, he's not distant. No, he's acted in the most amazing of ways like the painter has entered his own masterwork the composer has entered his own music God came into the world and you might notice that the word love here has the D at the end of it it is loved and that means we're talking about a particular expression of God's love an expression is this God gave his only son as Jesus we're talking about the Son of God came into the world. He became a man. He lived in this world, flesh and blood, fully human. He experienced the breadth of human experiences, happiness and sadness, energy and exhaustion, suffering, poverty, loneliness. And at Easter, though, God's presence is seen in the world in the most extraordinary and personal of ways. 
Yes, his son lived amongst us and died for us. This is important to realize because the Bible says God's love is not like a, an email sent from heaven or a, a packet of goodwill that has been posted in the mail for us. God himself has entered all of the pain and sinfulness of the world in order to give life. All right, so, so far we've already seen that God is not standing off at a distance. He's not looking at everything far off and with a sense of remote indifference or sympathy perhaps. Now, I'm sure we've all been watching the news each day you know, with all the news items about the coronavirus. It's one story of a terrible tragedy after another, after another. And I'm sure, like my, myself, we feel the, something of the horror. And it kind of was wells up inside us as we see these tragic stories. And in most of the cases, though, we can't do anything about it. At best, we can look on from a distance. Well, John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son. He came into the world and into a world he loves and into a world that does not love him. A third thing we learn about God is this. It's God's power. Because you see, God's love has accomplished something extraordinary. His is a, a powerful love. God is powerful, powerful not only because he made the universe, but as John 3.16 says, he is powerful to save. Let me read the verse again. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Notice the end of that phrase. Whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Now, the word that gave here, it summarizes Jesus' life on earth, which climaxes in his death on the cross and then on his resurrection from the dead on the Sunday. In 2018, a man entered a supermarket in the French town of Thrib. Uh, this man took hostages. He killed three people and wounded a dozen more. But then a, a police officer by the name of Arnold Betram, a 45-year-old man, arrived at the scene. And he negotiated with the terrorist to swap places with a, a female hostage. And so he went in and her life was saved. But in the attempt, he was shot in the neck and killed while saving her life. And as news got around about what this police officer did, people began to quote those other words of Jesus. Greater love has no one than this and to lay down one's life for one's friends. Now, this police officer in France laid down his life, not to save a friend, but to save a stranger. That's love, isn't it? Well, Jesus laid down his life for us. But it's important to understand that when we read the word, for God to love the world, the Greek word for world here is not a descriptor for everything that's nice and friendly and accepting, right? Note that the concept in John's gospel refers to open-armed rebellion against the Creator. The world represents like a band of protesters who are running amok, who are breaking God's rules and ignoring God in every possible way. And that's what makes God's love so incredible and definable. His love is for those who do not love Him. Jesus laid down His life for those who do not love Him. And again, in John 3.16, we're told specifically that Jesus died to save people from perishing. 
Uh, perishing not only means physical death, but it also talks about uh, spiritual death. It is to stand condemned before a righteous God. Because God's not amused by how we live in this world or how we muck up this world and, and how we ignore him. In fact, listen to the verdict that Jesus gives in this same chapter in John's Gospel. He says this from verse 18. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light, so that it may be seen plainly that they, what they have done has been done in the sight of God. There are many worldviews that teach us to aim high, aim better, and you'll be rewarded. But Jesus teaches, let's be honest, he says, we're not aiming to love God. Like, for many of us, it's like, God who? But God has so loved us. That Jesus came and laid down his life that we will not perish but have eternal life. Not just to live forever but have a new quality of life. Where we are reconciled to God and can live in, in light of his purposes. And the question is how? How can we receive this? Well Jesus tells us doesn't he? He says whoever believes in him. And the word believe is, is also the same word as faith. And contrary to how that word faith is used in, in popular culture, you know, faith you know, when, is what you need when there's no evidence. It's like the leap of faith. Uh, that phrase was coined by a 19th century philosopher by the name of Soren Kierkegaard. And it's not what the Bible means when it uses this word faith or belief. Belief or faith has a particular object, namely here in Jesus. And there are two inseparable parts that make up this word. One, it means to believe that this is true. You've been persuaded this is true, that God, uh, Jesus is God's Son who died on the cross for my sin. I accept this as a fact. 